We're talking about the wonderful words of Christmas. We've talked about power and light. And today we're going to talk about love and salvation because they go together. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So I want to read from three passages of Scripture, and, and we want to look at what God is saying to us and what God wants us to get, because Christmas is not here so that it's just this most wonderful time of the year, but it is give, to give us the most wonderful message of all time. So let us hear from God's Word what He says to us. I'm going to read, first of all, from Matthew and uh, Matthew chapter 1, where the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream. And here's what he said. Uh, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke records that an angel also that came to the shepherds when Jesus had been born. And listen to the words. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then listen to the Gospel of John, and, and it starts out with the words of Jesus spoken to Nicodemus, but it ends up with even a greater message than that. Here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes, and that means to put your faith in, to put your trust in, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. 
This is the verdict. The judgment has been made. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I read a website this weekend, and here's what it says. We live in a world in which sexuality has been reinvented. We live in a world in which crime is rampant. We live in a world in which politics is polarized. And we live in a world in which overdoses have become a common occurrence. He said that was the late 1960s. And the result of that, amazingly, was a revival. And he said that Time magazine, Time was as relevant as anything could be in that day, Time magazine had a cover story. In the 60s of political polarization and crime and drugs and, and sexuality being reinvented, Time magazine had a cover and a cover story about the death of God. The cover said, is God dead? And on the inside were all of these articles by philosophers and theologians and historians saying that we had now moved into an era in which God was no longer relevant. And then a great revival occurred. And five years later, Time Magazine had another cover story. And the cover story, the cover said, The Jesus Revolution. And the guy who wrote the article said, God, do it again. Because we live in the same time, political polarization, crime, drugs, sexuality reinvented. We, we live in that same time, and, and the cry of the church ought to be, Lord, do it again. Come and work. Let there be revival among us. That story meant so much to me because I lived through that time, but more so because I have two good friends in ministry who both were saved and give their testimony as being part of the Jesus revolution. They were both saved as young men. Both of them were called to preach. And one is now going to be the Lord about, with the Lord about two years ago. 
but he was faithful unto the Lord until the day he died. The other friend is going strong in ministry, continuing in what God has called him to do. God, do it again. God is at work among us, and that's what Christmas is about, that God is at work, that God is calling us to himself, that God is calling people to salvation, to know the Lord. I couldn't help but think about that international mission board. It, it, was, it was publicizing the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Right now, around the world, there are about 5,000 missionaries from Southern Baptist churches serving with the mission board, and you are helping to send those people and you are helping to get the message across. My prayer is that God is going to call missionaries to serve and preachers to preach from our congregation that we would be faithful. God, do it again in our midst, and let us see your work. The question, I always have a question for you. The question is this, what does God want us to get about Christmas? Not all of the stuff that you do, not all of the traditions that you have. What does God want us to get about this event in history, the greatest event in all of history, nothing like it at any time in history. Nothing will ever be like it again. God became human flesh and dwelled among us and revealed God unto us. He pulled back the curtains of heaven and lets us see who God is. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to Nicodemus, no one has seen God at any time, but only the one who came from heaven. The only one who can tell us about heaven is the one who has been there. God has a message for us. Oftentimes, when I preach, I think of the enormity of what God has called me to do. And I think about you. And here's what I want you to think about. I, I think about this often. This group of people in this configuration will never happen again. This is a unique experience. And it may be that you are here today because of this message that comes from God. Now, we sometimes we don't really think, why am I here? But maybe you are here, and, and all of a sudden you are here because God has a message for you. So what does God want us to get? What, what does God want us to know? Four things. Number one, we live in the darkness. And the darkness is that which is opposed to God. When Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, 
The world there is certainly, it's the whole globe. It is everybody in the world. Today, it's all 8 billion people of us. God so loved the world. But in Scripture, the world describes those who are opposed to God, those who are living at odds from God, those who are living according to, to their way of living and are ignoring God. I don't have to tell you. If you're 15 years old and you've lived 15 years in America, you know we live in the darkness. You know that the world is a dark place. It is filled with sin and rebellion and hatred and anger. And that we live in the, in the darkness. Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before the time of Jesus, told us about the coming of the Messiah. Christians call this a messianic passage of Scripture. It is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Here's what, here's what Isaiah the prophet said. By the way, you know this very well. Uh, Isaiah said, for to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called those wonderful names, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But all of that passage began with these words. For the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And that describes our Christmas. That describes our world. We, we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that has rebelled against God and gone away from him and, and missed the things that God wants us to do. I want to read again Matthew excuse me, John chapter 3, verses 21. And listen to what the Bible says. Everyone who does evil hates the light. You have friends, maybe family members, who want nothing to do with God, who, want, who do not want to hear about, I went to church today and this is what we talked about. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So here are these two ways to live and I think it's a great question to ask because here are the two ways to live. There is light and darkness, and there's no mixing between the two. So I want to ask you a question. It's not an ask question for everybody. It's just a question for you individually, personally. What would you say about your life? Do you tend toward the light or do you tend toward the darkness? 
And that will tell you significantly what you need in your life. Do you tend toward the light or do you tend toward the darkness? We live in the darkness. There's a second thing that we need to know, and that is the fact that we need spiritual insight. We need spiritual illumination. Because being able to to live in the light is not our doing. We think it is. We we think we're in control. What have we done? We've made ourselves a god. We've made our mind a god. We can say, I don't believe in that stuff. We can say, I you you are foolish in what you think. We live in the darkness. And we are unable to see the light. We miss the truth and the power and the work of God. Last week I preached from John chapter 1, a great experience for me. The person who learns the most is the person who preaches, the person who teaches. And I was amazed at the powerful words of God again in John chapter 1. Verse 5 says this, In him... In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in beginning. Through him all things were made. And these words, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness And the darkness has not, according to which translation you read, overcome it or comprehended it. Like English, a lot of Greek words have multiple meanings. And so if you have a translation says, and the darkness has not overcome the light, that's correct. And in fact, it fits with Scripture, fits the context. No, the darkness has not overcome the light, and the darkness will never overcome the light. We win the victory through Jesus Christ the Lord. No matter what we're going through, no matter what has happened, God wins the victory. Everything in the world is coming to a grand crescendo. In fact... Remember, there are surveys done every week in America about everything in the world. This was about something significant. In America, about 60% of the people believe that Jesus is going to return to the earth. Good for them. And many of them believe that it will be in their lifetime. And this is not in places like here where they're making the survey, but in America generally that Jesus is going to come, and even more than that, believes that soon there is the coming of the end of the age. The darkness has not and will not overcome the light. But that verse can also mean the darkness has not comprehended the light. And that, too, is true to the Greek word, and that, too, is true to the teaching of Scripture. We don't find God. We like to say that. I I never disagree with people who say, I found God. 
I know that there's going to come a time when they realize, well, really, I thought I found God, but God found me. And it wasn't what I did, but it was what he did. And we can't comprehend, can we comprehend God? Can we comprehend those 200 billion galaxies? Can we comprehend the creator? Can we comprehend the one who knows everybody here by name and when we were born and why we were born and who we are and what's going on in our lives right now? Can we comprehend the light? Can we save ourselves? Can we make ourselves right with God? I I think it is all by divine plan that Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Nicodemus wanted to know what Jesus was doing because there were a lot of people who came to Jesus. There were a lot of people who asked him questions. But Nicodemus, we get, we get the conversation in, in detail. We get to know what he was thinking, what he was asking, what Jesus said in response, what Jesus said to teach him. Here's the point. Nicodemus, of all the people in Israel, Nicodemus would have been at the top of the list of people with spiritual understanding. He would have been at the top of the list of people who knew the law. He would have been at the top of the list of people who were respected in Israel. He would have been at the top of the list of people that they would have said, this is a good man and he deserves to know God. And yet none of that made Nicodemus right before God. He was a Pharisee. He was in the Sanhedrin. He studied the law. He taught the law. And Jesus said, you you don't understand the earthly things that I tell you about. I know you will not understand the heavenly things I tell you about. We need the light. We need the illumination that comes from God. Jesus, uh, when, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, here's what he said. He said that it's not within us to understand spiritual things, but it has to be understood by the Spirit. The person without the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. And you know this to be true because you got friends and family who say this. They consider them foolishness. I can't believe you believe those things. A virgin conceives. A dead man is raised from the dead. Blind people see, lame people walk. They consider it foolishness. Do you want to know one of the strange things about the people of that day? You you and I say, I mean, I hear people all the time saying, well, you know, if I just saw 
If I saw Jesus putting his hands on the eyes of a blind man and seeing, I would believe. I just want you to know, if I saw, if I were listening to Jesus and all of a sudden there was a man being let down on a pallet and Jesus said to him, arise and walk, I would believe. Well, not necessarily. You see, this never, this never occurs to us. There were a lot of people who saw those things, and yet they didn't believe. Because we need the light. Paul said, they consider these things foolishness. And they cannot understand them because spiritual things are only discerned through the Spirit. And there were people who had been exposed to the light and had heard the truth of God and still wouldn't believe. Could that be where you are? Could it be that you you were at church and you got a foot in church and a foot in the world? Could you be in the same place? We need the light. Here's the good news. And remember, that's what the gospel means. It's good news. It's the, I always say it this way, in Hebrew, interestingly, you can't say good, better, and best. It's just not in the language. Just doesn't do it. So if you want to talk about the best song ever written, you talk about the song of songs. If you want to talk about the most holy place you've ever been, you call it the holy of holies. Well, in, and they kind of carried over into the, to the word about the good news. And I'm not adding to the Bible, and I'm not changing Scripture. I just want to tell you, in my life, it was not only good news, but it was the best news of all time for everything in my life. The gospel is the best news and the good news to you, the best news to you is we who live in darkness and need the light, the good news is the light has come. And that is the message of Christmas, that God has come into the world. And he's done it in a way that nobody ever conceived. A, a child is born to peasant parents. A virgin conceives, gives birth to a child, and he grows up. He is the sinless Son of God. He is God in the flesh, come to dwell among human beings. The light has come, and therefore, that is what God wants you and me to see. The light is here, and it is time for me to live by the light, by the light of Christ. It's not enough for us to come to church on Sunday or on Christmas Day or on Christmas Eve and, and we sing joy to the world and hark the herald angels sing. And then we go back and live in the darkness. The light has come. And we must live in the light. And we must live for the Savior. And we must be like him. 
and take his message to your neighborhood, to our state, to our nation, and to the ends of the earth. That's the commission of God to us. We must live in the light. And we live in the light by the love and the power of God we, in, joy, in love and salvation that makes it possible for us to know him. I, I, am, I implore, to use the word of scripture, I implore you, I beg of you, I beseech you to live in the light and to live your life for God because the light has come. The fourth thing God wants us to know is this, that God has made a way for us. No, it's not up to us. We can't get on a ladder and climb up into heaven and be equal with God, and we can't live well enough that, that we will deserve to be in the presence of God. So God made a way. God made a way for a people who lived in darkness. God made a way for a people who need the light. God made a way for people who live in a world of sin and rebellion against God. And God came and did it in the most wonderful, amazing way, giving his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us. And, and what did we receive? We received life. He came to give us life. He came to give us eternal life. Think about it in this way. Eternal life is life with God. It's eternal because it's with the eternal God. There's no beginning with God, no end with God. I can't comprehend that. Probably you can't either. And when we live in him, when we receive the light that comes from him, we live with him forever. It's eternal because of God. He, in him was life. When we live eternal life, we're living the life of God, the life that he's bestowed upon us. So he brings life. He brings salvation. Our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God, not by who we are, what we've done, but by what he did for us. When Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, took our sin upon himself, that we might be reconciled unto God, that we might be right. Think about, about it in this way. Sometimes we think about how good we are and how right we are and what we've done, and God has to be pleased with us. But deep down inside, we know all of that's a lie. We know that's a sham. So when we think, could I ever stand in the presence of God? Yes, absolutely. Based on what God did for us in Jesus Christ the Lord. God made a way that we might become the righteousness that God has bestowed on us in Jesus. Augustine was a great uh, theologian. 
He lived about the 5th century A.D. And he said unto God that you have made us for yourself. And our hearts, think about this, our hearts are restless till they rest in you. I want to ask you today to change out your restless heart for the heart of peace and joy and love. That's what happens when we open our lives to Christ. And I want to ask those of you who are believers to to live fully devoted in the light, to live for God, to honor God with your lives, that no matter where you are at school, at work, at home, along the way, that, that you are the light of the world and that your light that comes from Christ is going out into the darkness. When I grew up, didn't know it in Catholic families, two of them in my hometown. Didn't know it in Catholic families, but every day at noon we went home and we turned on the TV. At, at 1 o'clock, the NFL came on in those days. But before it, in my hometown, the local station was the Catholic Hour. And it always began with a light, a candle flickering. And here was the, what was said. If everyone lit just one little candle, what a bright world it would be. I want to ask you to live in the light and to let your light that comes from Christ shine in the world that all may hear and all may know the Lord. Let's stand together and I want to pray. And at the conclusion of my prayer, it'll be time for you to make important decisions. And I'm praying that there will be many people who will come to a pastor and say, I want to let my light shine for Christ. And I pray that there will be those who come and simply say to God, I, I want to live for him. I turn away from my sin. I put my trust in him. Let's pray. God, thank you for the word that comes from your holy scripture Thank you for the hope that you've given us in Jesus. Thank you for the light of the world. Thank you for the life of the world. Thank you for what you've done in Christ. God, I pray that lives would be changed. People would be different because of what you've done in bringing us together at this one unique time in history. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.